Welcome to Why Knowledge Matters. In this Christmas special, Father Joachim talks about the significance of the Christmas crest, how his life as a Franciscan friar relates to Christmas and the humility of God, and lastly, he will talk about some of his gift ideas and why you should be careful buying books for your very loved ones and joy. Uh-huh. Welcome back, Father. It's so special to have you back on our very second Christmas special of this year. And I can't wait talking with you. And by the way, how are you doing these days? Thank you very much for having me back. So um, I'm well. We are celebrating today the fourth Sunday of Advent. So we're still preparing for Christmas and we are starting to look forward to the feasts to come. Just a few more days and then we'll celebrate Christmas. Yeah, it sounds uh, very exciting. You must be very exciting uh, uh, during those days, isn't it? Well, it's, of course, for us in in a Franciscan community, our life is somewhat uh, routine and it's not the first Christmas we celebrate. We're not as excited as, as little children who kind of anticipate nice new gifts. For us, it is more a solid joy that we know that Christ is with us, that we have another year of celebrating Christmas. We are grateful for being able to celebrate in community. So we live as a community, so we have each other. We know there are many people right now who celebrate Christmas alone and who would like to see family and who, again, cannot see family because of this pandemic. So in spite of vaccination, but still, Christmas is really, it's a spiritual event. We welcome Christ into our lives. We know that he is with us. And he also was born in somewhat lonely situations. So maybe we can use this pandemic to remember what Christmas is about for us. Yeah, that's a big topic. And uh, I can't actually wait to talk about this a little bit more about the vaccines and all this stuff in, in other episodes uh, in the coming uh, months. Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> that is also actually a very nice, a, a beautiful uh, Christmas uh, uh, message, exactly. I, I guess. Uh, um, now, but today we really have a special specific topic and there's something very special about Christmas and I remember my you know back home we always had a Christmas crash however I have to be honest I don't really know the significance and from where it comes from so I'm really curious can you elaborate on the historical roots of the Christmas crash of course, because this is very much a Franciscan tradition. So it really was Francis of Assisi who began this tradition in the, in the Catholic Church. And so in the 13th century, about 800 years ago, in Greccio, in Italy, this is probably the first time a Christmas crash was being set up in a church to really remind people of the simpleness with which the power of God came into the world. So when we think of God, we tend to think as this gigantic um, power figure, uh, preferably white male with a beard. And the depiction is kind of mildly put naive, but it's really this idea of God being 
all-powerful. And of course, God is all-powerful, but God's power is not like human power. God's power is very different from human power. And that's why we are so easily misled by the idea of uh, human power when we think of God. And of course, Christianity has for the longest time remembered Christ on the cross and the suffering God, the God who died for us, the God whose power is in letting go even of his own life for us. So this is a completely different view of Christ, but in the part of God. But then Francis, St. Francis that it is, uh, he, he had this intuition that people needed to remember how God came into the world, how it began. The cross is kind of the end of human life and the resurrection, the beginning of new life. But the nativity, the birth of Christ is something that was um, spectacularly different. So the, when Francis was a boy, he lived in Assisi and he witnessed the birth and the baptism of the man who would become the Emperor Frederick II, one of the major emperors of the uh, German-Italian Empire in the Middle Ages. And Frederick II was born uh, not far from Assisi. Um, I think he was baptized in Assisi. I think he was born in Perugia. I don't remember exactly. But Francis would have been close by. And Frederick II was born in a public square, in a tent, obviously, but he was born in a public square where people would see that he was indeed the rightful heir uh, to, uh, to the crown. So the birth of a king was a giant, spectacular event that everybody would have witnessed. And his baptism in the church in Assisi was, an, again, a giant event meant to display the power of this heir to the throne of the what was called the Holy Roman Empire. And it would have been on a boy like Francis, very impressive and very spectacular. But later as a mature adult, he thought about what did it mean really for Christ to be born in a manger, not in a public square, but outside the city and not being welcomed by the most honorable people of society, but by the shepherds. And the shepherds in the field, they were, of course, many you can imagine, if you, um, if you are wealthy, you will not be staying the night outside the city in the fields. It sounds quite romantic, but if you imagine the reality of life um, in antiquity, being a shepherd outside of the city walls was the lowest class. You were kind of the outsiders, quite literally. So it was the shepherds who witnessed the birth of Christ. And this is the beauty of the incarnation that Christ really was born without any human displays of power. The power of God was shown there in this complete simplicity and humility of being born as a little child to Mary and Joseph. So <laughs> this is kind of, that's a big part of what made Francis want people to see with their own eyes how the Lord was born. Because otherwise we end up in this pocket of thinking it's all about power like, and it's glory to God in the highest. The heavens are opening, the choir of angels are singing. Yes, that's true. This is part of it. This is God who is being born to us. But in our human dimension, in our own humanity, in our own 
receiving this gift of God's life into our, into our own lives. That is small and humble and powerful only when we embrace it. So a child doesn't force itself on us. A child wants to be loved. And in the same way, the love of God comes to us. We have to receive him. He won't force his way in. He invites us to love him. And this humility of God, who doesn't, who is not powerful, overpowering us, but who wants us to use the power that we have, which is God's gift to us, he wants us to use this power to give it back to him freely and lovingly. So this is the mystery of incarnation, and you can't explain it in so many words. You have to experience it. And the way Francis thought he can bring it closer to us is by making us see this Christmas crush, this little tiny baby Jesus, and surrounded by Mary and Joseph and, uh, and even the animals, the ox and, uh, and, the, and the donkey and um, the sheep of the shepherds and all of that. The humility of the shepherds, the simplicity of all creatures, and um, the man and woman who would raise him, Mary, his mother, his human mother, and Joseph, the man who raised him. This is so uh, beautiful. And I think I just want to have a little bit your take because you also, to some extent, you live this humility by choosing to live the way you do in very simple conditions obviously uh, you have a uh, good food but you you live in a very room and so it's basically almost like an emulgation of this very uh, story that you had just uh, uh, told us so give us a little bit of taste how this changes you or helps you to uh, forge a deep and uh, loving relationship with uh, your God. Happy to. The, of course, we shouldn't make too much of our poverty. So a Franciscan life is really, um, we do try to keep it simple, but it is, it is not a harsh life. So we have good food. Um, I have the, a very nice bicycle. I'm very, I really like my bicycle. And I can, it's one of the nicest bicycles in all of Montreal. And I can go and bike rides with it and get good exercise. Um, I have a very nice laptop to do my scholarly work and to write on it. So when people visit me, they don't think this is an austere form of life at all, because it's not. And we do seek simplicity, though. And the way we seek it and the way we want to live it is that we want to not be distracted by status symbols. And this is really what I find the most important thing in our lives. In ordinary life, we are so drawn towards showing our importance. And this may be necessary. This may be, it's like if you're if you a prime minister, if you're a government leader, if you're an executive in a company, you have to dress, you have to act, you have to live like somebody who people trust to have authority. And we need these symbols. So that we can't simply say, everybody should live like a Franciscan. Most shouldn't live like Franciscans. So Status symbols have their importance, like the bishops in our church who wear um, fine clothes and celebrate liturgy in special vestments. This is completely correct. I have nothing against any of that. But we also need some people like Franciscans who can afford to let go of these status symbols and to live in simplicity. So... <laughs> We have to be able to say that really just as Christ was born in a major and just as the, the shepherds were the ones who welcomed him, 
we have to be able to also live like the shepherds in order to receive Christ. So in our simplicity, by not being quite so distracted, we are hoping to find Christ more easily. So it's not about austerity. It's not about punishing ourselves for the sins of others. It's not meant to be forcing others to see how wrong they are, not at all. So, but our simplicity of life is meant to give us a chance to really find Christ as easily as the shepherds in the field. This is kind of how, how we look at it. Yeah, and I mean, I saw your room and it's really simple. So, and you just, <laughs> yes, of course, of course you have access to technology, of course. I mean, you will mm -hmm. never ever want to reject, you know, some of the advantages that the 21st century exactly. actually gives. And it also wouldn't really make sense if you will do, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you, you, you write and all those kind of things and it's all on, on behalf of uh, humanity, ultimately. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. So, yeah, that's really a, uh, It was such a nice connection, you know, with your life and so the Christmas crash, it really just fits all so nicely together. Now I know that you really like food, especially on Christmas. So tell me, what's your favorite food before and at Christmas? Well, I'm afraid I won't be eating it this year because my favorite Christmas food is the German Christmas Stollen. And that is a very, it's like, if you would say it's a fruitcake, but it's not at all like North American fruitcakes. And it's a different type of, um, of cake. Um, and it's quite good. So normally at Christmas time, I look forward to Christmas stolen, but uh, this year I won't be, I won't have that because it's kind of hard to get in, in, in Montreal. Maybe there's a German bakery and I wouldn't want a whole Christmas stolen for myself either. It's too big and it's too heavy for that. But uh, we, we have other good food and I like that. And of course, living in Montreal and Quebec, uh, there's tortilla. We'll be eating tortilla for Christmas. It's a local tradition that tastes very good. And uh, I, li I like also local tradition. I'm not trying to reconstruct a German Christmas in Montreal. I try to celebrate Christmas like Montrealers do. I like the tradition of the Réveillon um, after, the, after the evening mass or the midnight mass even to start celebrating Christmas with a midnight meal and uh, eating some, some special uh, delicacies. Um, I like smoked salmon too, <laughs> smoked salmon probably, and um, or some cheeses and some wine to drink with that. But just kind of the joy of fellowship um, after the midnight mass. We celebrate the midnight mass to celebrate the life of Christ in our lives. And then we come together as a community in the night and we celebrate. So it's not necessarily the foods, it's the fellowship and the company and the occasion of it, the occasion of remembering, yes, Christ is with us. And um, in, its, in the humility and in our own humility, we can share in his life. And we do so not just spiritually. So the, of course, the resurrection of Christ at Easter time, that is very much an intellectual, a spiritual event. But the incarnation is in the flesh. So eating and drinking and being in fellowship with each other is an essential part of being close with Christ in that moment. It's not just an idea that we celebrate, but it's life that we celebrate. And our life is in the body, not just up here in the head, but it's in the body. And we remember that, that also our bodily life is the incarnation of Christ. Wonderful. Now, 
of course, Christmas gifts again. I think it always helps people if they get some really good ideas from people like you. And so please share some of your Christmas gifts, favorites or favorite Christmas gifts in terms of, for example, books, of course. Books. <clears throat> the, um, the best Christmas gift is always what brings you together with another person. So this is why you have to be very careful. So I, I, I do love books and I mentioned my own book and you allowed me to show it up one more time. <laughs> Remembering Francis and um, our own story as to how we can make sense of modern life out of a Franciscan tradition. So I certainly like it when people take my book as a Christmas gift, and I certainly like to give it to people. But you also have to be careful with books and giving books because you do not want to come across as taking Christmas as an opportunity to force something on another person. <laughs> because there's this passive aggressive gift giving where you can that's something you should really have to be reading. You should really have to be reading my book right now. <laughs> and we don't want that. So Christmas is really a support, also it's a time to let other people be. And so whenever you give a gift, make sure that this gift is really what the other person wants to have. And what you want to have the other person to have. So find something which you have in common with the other person that you can share with another person in such a way that it is well received. So not passive aggressive, but something which is really nice and uh, really makes you enjoy Christmas together. That is really, and what this has to be, it really depends. And that's why children are so easy to give them gifts. For a child, you give a nice toy and the child, and the child is happy. But a gift for an adult has to be something similar. And if it's a book, it has to be a book that the other person really is likely to enjoy and that makes the other person understand you and show the other person that you understand them. So if you have a person who has really an interest in Christian faith and modern age and wants to really take the Christmas time to reflect on why is it that we celebrate this day in our historically Christian culture but what does it really mean to me today when church has become much more complicated? Um, then a book like mine is a good choice. And um, I certainly would, uh, would be happy <laughs> to see people pick that as a gift. But on the other hand, sometimes just a bottle of wine, the best gift to give. <laughs> or just like a, a bag of cookies or something like that, or even just a nice Christmas card. Because we, we kind of take Christmas cards as just being like a, a routine thing. But just sending a Christmas card to somebody who hasn't heard from you in a while, some family pictures, uh, just some way that shares another, shows another person that you remember them, that you care about them, and that you want to share your love with another person. All of that will work. That's beautiful. And to be honest, I can't way to read your book i mean i i really and i have to say I read it. <laughs> yeah that's so nice that's wonderful and but it's also it really fits perfectly and it's also as you said also in the previous session it's really you know the humility of god that's really mm. what also christmas means and i think remembering francis especially his life and his legacy is a perfect match in order to learn also more about uh, this humility and of God and really what Christmas means. Father, I wish you a happy and merry Christmas. Thank you so much for everything. 
Thank you. And Merry Christmas to you and to all your viewers. Thank you.